This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's possible there's never been as much debate or discussion about the word use, U-S-E, as we've heard over the past month. That's because use is the key word in the Section 889 provisions lexicon. Do contractors use now-prohibited Chinese-made telecommunications products and services? If so, Section 889 says they've got to remove those products or services if they want any more contracts from federal agencies. Executive Editor Jason Miller joins me now with why this simple word is causing so much concern. And Jason, let's start with a quick review that Section 889 refers to the 2017 NDAA, or am I going back too far? Actually, it's 2019. It just seems like it's been, we've been talking about this for two years now, (laughs) but it does, goes back to 2019. And and really, this is all about concerns over supply chain risk management and the use of Chinese made products, specifically telecommunications products. All right. So the word use, that is to say, do you as a supplier to the federal government, or at least to the Defense Department, use gear from these five prohibited companies? Use would seem to be straightforward. Why so much debate? Well, I think there's too many lawyers in Washington, right, Tom? Now, that's Possibly. a joke. We don't want to make any lawyers mad. We, we we think there's plenty of good lawyers out there. I have three so, or four of them on my show a week. A week, at least. I think the interim final rule, was about a month ago, came out, really laid out in less than specific terms how vendors must meet the requirements of the law. And the key phrase was a contractor has to make a, quote-unquote, reasonable inquiry to uncover any information in the entity's possession about the entities or the producer or provider of covered telecommunications equipments or services used by the entity. So there's that word used by the entity. What does that really mean? Kay Amatori is the director of legislative policy at the National Defense Industrial Association, and she says the legislation is so broad and the rule doesn't narrow the definition, leaving a lot of questions about what does use really mean. Does it mean everyday use? Does it mean use in fulfilling the government contract? Does it mean used by anybody anywhere in the supply chain, even down through the subcontractor levels? What about your telecommunications network that your company uses uses, again, to send email. As one government official I talked to who actually requested anonymity said to me, there are actually 12 states where the carriers in those states rely on Huawei routers, specifically in the rural parts of the state. So think about this way. If you're a vendor, if you're a vendor and you have an office or a location in those rural parts of the state and you have to, it's the only way you can get internet, phone, is to rely on those carriers that use Huawei, are you now prohibited from working with the government? The same problem internationally, the Royal Mail in the UK. What if you have an office in the UK that has to use the Royal Mail to send mail? They use Huawei equipment. Are you then disqualified? So, again, it goes back to what does use really mean? And, Tom, as I mentioned at the front end, we're not lawyers, and that's going to be something for them to decide. Right, and I think part of the problem is that the rules came out so near before the deadline, even though this does go back a long time. And so the rules don't solve a lot of the questions people have had for the year since this became law. Now, Section 889, as we ought to point out, is in effect today. So the question is, what does it all mean for agencies and industry in the short term as we enter the busy buying season? That's very true. We are in the fourth quarter, and it's kind of bad timing, I think, on the FAR Council's point to have made this 
happen now. A lot of people wish they would have waited until October 1st, so at least to get through the busy buying season. To that end, you know, agencies and contractors have known that this rule was coming for about a month, if not longer. They haven't had a lot of time, but some time to prepare. And agencies have had to begin incorporating these provisions in any task order modification to a contract, any new solicitation. They have to have this 889 language in there. And in fact, Tom, I got a hold of a note from the General Services Administration. They alerted all of their scheduled contractors, some 35,000 of them, that they need to modify their contracts or they will not be eligible for awards starting today. So if you did not add that modification to your GSA schedule, you're going to be in a tough spot starting today. As for industry, they have to self-attest that they've made, again, reasonable inquiry. Again, what does that mean? It's, it's hard to say, but a reasonable inquiry that they're not using, again, that word, Chinese-made products. Vendors have to go into the SAM.gov uh, database and certify that they have done their due diligence, and they have to do it on the anniversary of their registration. So uh, vendor registration expires you know, on, on November 1st. They have to make that self-certification by November 1st. Now, I also spoke with Nick Jones. He's the Director of Regulatory Policy at NDIA, and he says some companies were actually trying to recertify their SAM.gov certifications before August 13th, because then they'd have another year to <laughs> have to recertify again and tell the government that they meet 889 provisions. And not enough probably were able to do it ahead of time. Sure. And NDIA's Matt Torrey also compared the 889 provision. Tom, do you remember this to the Y2K? Oh, yes, indeed. Scare. Nobody knew what would happen on January 1st, 2000. And again, nobody really knows what's going to happen with 889 today, tomorrow, for the foreseeable future because of this rule. And the government official who I talked with also said, you know, said most people in and out of government agree that that this 889 rule will have a significant impact, and there are going to be unintended consequences that neither Congress nor the FAR Council may have considered. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Yeah, a couple of things. GSA jumping in kind of surprised everybody, like, who the heck are they to start in on this? But is it just DOD? Actually, it is a government-wide deal. It's not just the Defense Department. I think the concern is that the Defense Department will have the biggest impact because of how much contracting they do and how much they rely on the defense industrial base. Yes, and one of the unknowns, I spoke with Eric Crucius of Holland at Night. He agreed that there's the possibility that... Nothing could happen because if you testify that you don't have this equipment and then later on it's discovered that somewhere you do, that means the sword of Damocles is over your head depending on what the contracting agency decides to do about it, which could be nothing or who knows what the punitive measures could be. So what are agencies doing, Jason, to try to limit the impact of this whole thing across certain industries? We know that there's an that the, the interim rule set up a waiver process. There's an agency level waiver and then an office of director of national intelligence level waiver. Now, most people I've talked with agree that the agency waiver process it's not easy, Tom. It requires an acknowledgement by the vendor that they're using these prohibited products or services, and and it requires them to have a plan to get rid of them. Again, not easy, very time consuming, and it's more of a longer term waiver process. The ODNI process, on the other hand, well, that remains under development as of yesterday. The government source tells me DOD actually is planning a broad waiver request to ODNI for products or services that are considered what they call high volume and high quantity but low risk. Now, there are about 1,500 to 2,000 what they call product service codes that actually would fall under this low risk category or green category. These include everything from like food to paper to pens to lawn mowing, things that really don't either A, collect data or B, if if the you know Chinese knew how much pens DOD was buying, would that really be a big deal? 
Other things, however, like laptops, desktops, cell phones are considered high risk and on the red list because they do transmit data and a waiver may be harder to get. And of course, Tom, when we're talking about DOD, weapon systems would be even more difficult to get a waiver for. The government official I talked with said a lot of these waiver requests from DOD and other agencies will have to be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. And for many big prime contractors, that really could present some serious problems. Sounds like everyone is kind of stumbling around in the dark, hoping they don't bump heads here. Now, a lot of people in industry, and I guess maybe in the government also, kind of half expected and hoped that Congress would extend that deadline so people could have more time to assess all of this, maybe clarify the rules. Any likelihood of that at this point, given a few other things occupying a unoccupied Capitol Hill. The biggest challenge here, Tom, is that any change, whether from OFPP or Congress or whomever, really comes down to one thing. Nobody wants to be seen as weak on China. They really believe that they have to stand strong against Chinese interference, whether it's with you know, stealing intellectual property or just taking data from government systems. Both NDIA and the government official I talked with say they support the spirit and intent of 889. No one disagrees with the need to protect systems, data, networks. But they also see those rules being rushed and potentially damaging to the federal procurement sector. Now, there's been some attempts on Capitol Hill. NDIA's uh, Kea Matori says... She knows that Senator Ron Johnson tried pushing an amendment to request a delay and to narrow the scope of the rule because it only came out 30 days ago. Uh, they also worried about the, the use of the word use again being defined. But unfortunately, Senator Johnson's amendments didn't really gain any traction over in the House side. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler and Virginia Fox also tried to push separate amendments. And again, they didn't get any traction going into NDAA. Now, Matori says, as of right now, unless if something gets slipped into the COVID stimulus package, which no one's really hearing much about, there's not going to be much of an effort from Congress to stop this rule from continuing to take effect and, and staying in effect. Now, NDIA and other industry associations, you've had David Berteau and Alan Shvakinon from the Professional Services Council, Roger Waldron from the Coalition for Urban Procurement, and others have written letters this spring, this summer, asking for congressional action. They've had meetings with the House and Senate Armed Services Committees. And while no one really has pushed back against this idea this rule is going to be arduous, tough, and have a huge impact, nobody really outwardly wants to support the change either. And I think that's part of the problem is this view that you'll be seen as, quote-unquote, weak on China. At the same time, the impact to the uh, industrial base could be great. All right. As Jackie Gleason used to say, away we go. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Check out his coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month. And you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.